everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Talk Recorded live. Well, hello. is Michael Adams, the hermit. And it's old religion, dystopia, knowing versus belief. We're doing another part of the series Troglodytes, Wild Men, Cannibals, and Indian folklore that will soon be turning now into European folklore and reality. It is allegedly May the 26th, 2017. We'll get back into the recording a reading of Safuni, uh, Safuni, WordPress about cannibalism. Uh, where do we go from there? We were reading about the the very first crusade <coughs> and how. The Crusaders there uh, decided to uh, eat uh, the Muslims there in Ma'ara, and uh, how that was, well, it just didn't quite fit in with the narrative, now did it, of being this pious Christian loving group of people that were out to serve a loving, honorable God. And the 16th century capitalism was not just part of the mental furniture of Europeans. It was a common part of everyday medicine in Spain to England. And we'll find out that it is further places as well. Initially, a little bits of pulverized mummies imported from Egypt were used in prescription against diseases. But the practice soon expanded and included flesh, skin, bone, blood, fat, urine of local cadavers, such as recently executed criminals and bodies dug up illegally from graveyards. As University of uh, Durham's Richard Suggs, uh, who has published a book in 2011 called Mummies, Cannibals, and Vampires, The History of Corpse Medicine from the Renaissance to the Victorians, medical cannibalism reached a feverish pitch around 1680, Suggs says. Um, but the practice can be traced back to the Greek doctor Galen, who recommended human blood as part of some remedies in the 2nd century AD, and it's continued all the way into the 20th century. And 
1910, a German pharmaceutical catalog was still selling mummies, says Louis Noble, who also wrote a book on the topic called Medical Cannibalism and Early Modern English Literature and Culture. And one looks into it a little deeper and realizes it's still part of the medical world. And a few other places, too. Might want to stay away from McDonald's hamburgers, huh? While Europeans ate mummy to cure their physical ailments, the same culture sent missionaries and colonists to New World to cure New World indigenous people of their purported barbaric cannibalism, some of which was entirely fabricated as a rationale for conquest, Boulder says. It's certainly possible that Europeans were consuming more human flesh at the time than people in the New World, Sugg says. Uh, It's a big paradox, Noble adds. The term cannibal was being used to describe someone inferior while while civilized in Europe were also eating bits of human body, she says. The word cannibal first entered the English language in the mid-16th century by means of the Spanish explorers, says Carmen uh, Centelli in the 16th century comparative literature and culture scholar of the University of New Mexico. It derives from the Spanish word cannonballs. That's right, cannonballs. That balls, bales, like bale worship, which used, which was used by Columbus in his diaries to describe indigenous people and the Caribbean islands who were rumored to be eaters of human flesh. No Santelli says in his diaries it is clear Columbus didn't initially believe the rumors. She adds, it's because he knew he was a cannibal. Right? And I just jumped. Okay. Um, one such category of survival cannibalisms where people consume each other out of absolute necessity, such as the 16 survivors of the 1972 plane crash of the Andes Mountains, are the members of Sir John Franklin's failed 1945 expedition to the Arctic. Another category are mortuary cannibalism, the consumption of dead during their funeral rites, uh, practiced through the 20th century in the eastern highland provinces of Papua New Guinea and Brazil, uh, the Brazilian and Peruvian Amazon. This is not, as we may instinctively imagine, morbid and repulsive. Those of University of Manchester's Sarah Louise Flowers and her conference abstract, but it is instead an act of affection and respect for the dead person, as well as being a means of helping survivors cope with their grief.
cannibalism in European society. Europeans and Caucasians claim American Native Amer Native Indians were cannibals. A word coined by Christopher Columbus, a man you obviously couldn't trust, upon landing in the New World. But cannibalism has been well known in Europe for many years. And uh, Goss Cave, England, um, or Ga yeah, Goss, I guess it would be. Uh, remains of human bones and skulls from approximately, quote, 15,000 years ago. They can't get their numbers right, can they? Suggested that cannibalism took place amid the people living in the cave. Archaeologists can trace back evidence of about 7,000 years ago, proves that mass cannibalism in Germany, even children and unborn babies, were on the menu. Once again, don't trust the numbers. A gruesome history of eating corpses as medicine. And uh, read more about that, the gruesome history of eating corpses as medicine. From the Smithsonian. I'm trying, maybe what we'll do is... Let's see what this is all about. European hypocritical history of cannibalism. Reference Here we go. Damn cookies. Uh reference of cannibalism are sprinkled throughout the many religious and historical documents. Um such as reports of cooked human flesh being sold in eleventh century English markets. During times of famine, he hears engraving graving of Theodore de Bry depicts hungry Spaniards cutting down the bodies of thieves hanged by Pedro de Mendoza in order to eat them. In 2001, a lonely computer technician living in a countryside in North Germany advertised online for a well-built man willing to participate in a mutual, satisfying sexual act. Armin, Armin Mios, or Mioes, I don't know how you pronounce it, notice was similar to many others on the Internet, except for a rather important detail. The requested man must be willing to be killed and eaten. I guess it's Mioes didn't have to look far, 230 miles away in Berlin, an engineer called Burden Brandes, I guess I should pronounce it, agreed to travel to Mjolnir farmhouse. There, a gory video later found by the police documented Brandes' consensual participation in deadly dinner. The cannibalism was both a shock to the German public and conundrum to German prosecutors wanting to charge always with a crime. Cannibalism might be humanity's most sacred taboo, but consent of a victim typically eliminates a crime, explains Emilia Musumesfi. The criminologist, University of Catania of Italy, in Italy, who studies cannibalism and serial killers. Really, 
cannibalism might be the humanity. Okay, more more technically, cannibalism is not designated as illegal in Germany's extensive criminal code. Until that point, laws against murder had sufficed to cover cannibalism. Hef Brady's or Brandy's had volunteer his own life. How could Miao Miwis be accused of the murder? Because of his victim's consent, uh, Miwis or Miwis um, was initially found guilty of something akin to assisted suicide and sentenced to eight years in jail. Had there been a widespread uproar about the seemingly lenient penalty, uh, my we would uh, be out of jail by now. Instead, the uproar led to a subsequent retrial, and my we was found guilty of killing for sexual pleasure. He will likely spend the rest of his life in jail. The unusual Maiwi's case is just one of the topics to be discussed this weekend at the Interdisciplinary Cannibal Conference to be held at Manchester Museum, the world's first, say, many attending the meeting. The idea of cannibalism conference might sound like a basis for a macabre joke. about coffee break finger food. However, there's serious cannibal scholarship taking place in many disciplines, says the conference organizer, Hannah Priest, a lecturer at Manchester University who has previously hosted other academic meetings on werewolves and monsters under the banner of her published company, Hick Dragons. A dragon is with an E in it. Dragons, I guess. From contemporary horror films of medieval you characters, Eucharistic devotions, from Freudian theory to science fiction cannibals, and cannibalism continues to repel and intrigue us in equal measure, advertised the conference website. When the call for abstract went out last fall, our first response was one from anthropology. Another was one was well, another one was on heavy metal music, and third was 18th century literature. Precess, the academics will quite happily discuss very disturbing things in quite polite terms and forget that. Not everyone talks about this stuff all the time. It's perhaps fitting that the conference should take place in Europe because the region has long has a long chronicle of cannibalism. Okay, now I can get out of there and your stupid cookies. We had to clean up again. Okay, uh, cannibalism in Europe and society. We got that point. We were talking about unborn babies and the independent evidence of mass cannibalism uncovered in Germany. 
evidence of mass cannibalism and in which even children and unborn babies all right that's beautiful one uh, were on the menu has been uncovered in Germany by archaeologists the Jules Germans huh? but don't forget everyone else can't just blame the Germans Analysts on 7,000-year quotes of bones dug up in Hexen, Herxheim in southwest Germany suggest that region was a center of cannibalism at a time when the first European farming societies may have been collapsing. Marks of bones show that the bodies were skinned and have their flesh removed using techniques almost identical to those for butchering animals. And one research suggested that some of the victims could have been spit-roasted. Many of the bones appear to have been deliberately smashed to allow the living to suck out the marrow of the dead. Other bear the chew marks of teeth. Well, they are chew indistinct to be certain scavenging animals were not to blame. The distinctive distribution of speaks strongly in favor of having been made by hungry humans. Cut marks in the bones. Man. Cut marks in the bones are often so clear that archaeologists have been able to distinguish between which cuts were intended to skin and scalp the bodies and which were made to get at the meat? That's right, folks. Who started skinning, scalping first? It might be simply the equivalent of the question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? But regardless, with uh, 2,000 years of moral Christian teachings, this is the accomplishment. Could it be that the unpardonable sin in the Garden of Eden was just that? Maybe they ate Lilith. Who knows what they ate? Who knows? Maybe they bathed themselves in the blood and everything else. You're going to find out that the the Old Testament, when you look at Jacob and you look at Israel and Jacob and everyone, they are the children of the serpent. And for some damn reason, we want to follow them. That's how insane, how twisted we have become. Don't think that it's not happening now with the many missing people. And the crap like 411 and trying to blame it on some mystical beast that wants to take you when there's a lot of other bipedal creatures, hominoids, we call homo sapiens, who worship Satan, Lucifer, and all sorts of other weird things, and more than happy to eat you and have sex in your blood and do all this other crazy crap. And I know it's very unpopular to say this stuff, and it must be offensive to all, but it should be offensive to all, because that's what's going on. 
archaeologists concluded cannibalism was taking place after carrying out a detailed study of bones identified as coming from six adults, at least one of them a man, two children aged about six and one fifteen, and two unborn babies. So when we start calling Native American savages, just just remember, <laughs> once again, plenty of blame to go all around, huh? But with almost 500 other bodies already dug up at Herxham, and at least as many, again, still to be recovered, and the final number of the people eaten by cannibals could be as much higher, Researchers suspect the remains belong either to people eaten in victory celebrations, oh, that's a justification, after being killed in war, or those slaughtered and consumed as part of a ritual sacrifice. Or, you know what? You're all a bunch of sick fucks. You just don't know it. And thank goodness that our creature needs are met or would we be all doing the same to each other right now? If it ever comes to that point, I sure hope I'm dead already. I'd rather <laughs> I could. I don't think I could ever look in the mirror knowing that I was deliberately eating humans, fellow human beings. And any of you out there that are doing that, you know, you are a sick fuck. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should be ashamed of yourself, and you should look in the mirror and should hate yourself every day of your life. I know that sounds very doesn't sound very sympathetic, does it? And nor should you receive any sympathy, really. They said the sheer number of victims made it unlikely that cannibalism was a last resort during famines. I wonder if it's true about guys like Al Gore. Gore, what a name. Al Gore. It is blood continuing, you know, and it's feasting upon human blood and blood transfusions and all that. There, hear a lot of the uh, ruling uh, psychopaths, not worthy to be called elite, they're psychopaths who've. Um, and the blue, their blue blood, it really is a tainted blood from being basically consuming other human beings for so long that they're nothing more than savages in fancy clothes. Like I said, barbarians come in suits and ties. 10% of the people who remained were analyzed for the study uh, are all the thought to have died at the same time. The researchers said that human bones show abundant and unequivocal uh, evidence of human-induced uh, uh, modifications. Modifications include by cutting up the corpses, uh, our cut marks and scrapes marks and everybody wants to have their tattoos now and be a little savages nobody has a clue what they're doing but it's cool and I want to have what everyone else is doing it it's cool stuff now listen if you got tattoos I'm not hating on you you don't know what you're doing 
If you did, you wouldn't be doing it. God almighty. Truly. Once the ribs had been cut away from the spine and the heads were broken open, perhaps to extract extract the brain, the tongue cut out before the fleshy parts of the limbs were removed, the bones could then be removed and smashed open for marrow. I, this is a very hard thing to talk about. I understand why nobody wants to talk about it, but somebody has to talk about it because with all the numbers of children that go missing in this country, all the other people going missing, young women going missing, the white slave trade and uh, that's been going on for thousands of years, um, all the other just terrible things that are going on, um, someone doesn't talk about the reality of the end result of these things. Uh, we'll just keep going up. I mean, someone should care. Someone should care. Some, you know, you talk about slavery being something to be ashamed of. At the very same time that there's slavery going on, there's cannibalism going on. When we're talking about the European enslaving African Americans or the Native Americans or whatever. There's not much to be proud of. This, if you, you, your European descent, not much at all. Maybe that's the reason why women have the cake on. It's not so much makeup. Maybe because, really, we're a lot uglier than we want to admit. All these observations allow us to conclude that the individuals were cannibals, or can't, were cannibalized. Archaeological teams concluded that in their report published in a journal, Antiquity, it is highly probable that a great number of those thousands or so individuals probably deposited in Herxheim or Heim were subject to cannibalism. <clears throat> Dr. Bruno Balesink of Purdue University accepted it was impossible to be certain if the flesh was eaten raw or was cooked, but added, we see patterns of bones of animals indicating that they have been spit-roasted, and we have seen some of the same patterns in human bones. Now, what about Pilates and his four, uh, uh, 11? Will he ever talk about this stuff? I bet he wouldn't. I bet he's probably part of it. And I, I know. I know. I just lost somebody else. But you know what? He don't talk about it, does he? Makes this uh, mystical, fanciful, magical... Supernatural, Bigfootish creature thing. Well, don't the creatures as I know that are are cannibals, are human beings. 
Now, let me rephrase it. I know there's other animals in the animal kingdom that eat their young and eat the dead and all that kind of stuff. But do you really think that you have the same comparison to a rat? And if you are, mind you, you share the, you know, 90% of their plus of their, or whatever it is, 70 to 90%, whatever it is, of their genome. Maybe we all are. I see how people are, how uh, cruel they are to each other and how they're cruel to people. There are quote, quote, outsiders. How cruel they are to those who are just a little bit different and how far of a stretch just go to the next level. You see all these "quote unquote" secret societies, and uh, all part of their some of their rites and rituals as they get deeper into it. Where do you go from there? There's sickos out there that just want to experience that. Yeah, they do. What do you do after you eat a monkey brain? I'm sorry, you are a sicko if you in any way deliberately have eaten a human being. You deserve nothing but damnation. And I hope that that is the case, that there is any justice at all, this uh, unfair, mean, cruel world that we live in. That should be the case. Well, my daddy, if he didn't eat so and so, I wouldn't be born. Really? Really? Gruesome history of eating corpses from medicine. The question was not, should people, should you eat human flesh? Says one historian, but what sort of flesh should you eat? That's right. That's what was going on in, uh, from our ancestors. You wonder why it was so hard to find any mummies in Egypt? Well, now you know. They're busy eating them. Who's the troglodyte now? Who's the K-Dwelver? <clears throat> Eating other human beings' flesh and drinking their blood for medical purposes is well documented. Take when Pope Innocent VIII and you really want to follow any man by the title of Pope Pontifus Maximus now? was on his deathbed in 1492, right before the Jesuits, their quote-unquote counter-reformation along with, they also created Reformation. His doctors used vampire-like techniques on three boys and had the Pope drink their blood. Oh, 
boy, I bet you that God has a great blessing for them. Do you think? The, bl- the boys were bled until they died. Oh. The Pope is infallible, isn't he? And the Pope died as well. Of course, this was the same time that Columbus discovered America and coined the word cannibal, because that's what was exactly going on in the Vatican and going on in Rome and throughout all of Eurasia. That's right. Once again, the whole thing about which came first, the egg or the chicken? Which was came first, European cannibals or North American cannibals? You're never going to figure it out because there's enough to blame to go around. Human beings, when we say that we're the deadliest creatures out there, <laughs> that's an understatement. Medical journals, The Lancet, published an article regarding corpse medicine. The article recounts notable doctors in 1600 England digging up bodies to use the bones for medicine. I thought it was used for other things. I thought it was just, uh, you know, witches and witch doctory and uh, people selling the bones for uh, uh, medical research, right? Wasn't that what it's supposed to be about? I have English blood in me. I have Scottish blood in me. I have German blood in me. I have Dutch blood in me. I have Cherokee, Indian, and Chippewa blood in me. That's the reason why I, you know, one of the reasons why I could care less what my actual gene pool is and how much Native American is because there ain't nothing on either side of the pond to be proud of. And if you think you are or you think there is, then you maybe you ought to educate yourself a little more. Maybe. But they're so in tune with nature. <clears throat> Horse jockey. Now there's, I met some pretty cool uh, up in northern Michigan. Some pretty cool uh, indigenous folks, Native Americans, Jew boys. Some guys are pretty cool. I didn't get a chance to talk to them. I was more uh, observed them because they were like, they didn't want to give me time. If I said hi to them, they're like, yeah. bye bye. They're not any better than the English when they're um off puttishness and their stuffiness. But watching them fish and, you know, enjoy the Lake Michigan and etc. I was impressed with the uh masculinity, if you will, the uh, uh the braveness and the fearless fearlessness that I saw. Now that now it doesn't mean you can't find Young men uh, with English or Dutch or German blood—they don't have the same thing. It's just—it's just an observation. Did I piss off anybody yet? Because it's going to only get worse as time goes on. Oh, by the way, I do appreciate 
whopping 82 people that have subscribed to me, and I do appreciate that. But only as an ego trip, to be honest with you. I actually appreciate this guy named James who's been email, who emailed me, he's been listening. Thank you to you, James. At least you reach out to me, and you're willing to uh, you know communicate with me at a certain level. And as far as you know, whether I ever have uh, 8,000 or 800 or 80 or 8 subscribers, I'll just keep on doing this. Anybody who knows me, I've been doing this for four years. I've watched my numbers up, go up and down and crash to near zero and up again and down. And every time I touch anything and I offend somebody that, you know, is against their worldview and their mindset, well, then they just dis- they unsubscribe, disavow me. But this is me sharing my journey with you. And because I live in the prison that I live in, physically and spiritually and, well, environmentally, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I live in a country, in a world, in a society where judgmentalness on a very superficial level is the, the norm. This is something you learn through your church and your television and school. And God knows what it's going to be like in another 10 to 20 years. I can just imagine everybody, everyone will be stared at their videos. The greatest thing they'll do when they go outdoors is go to a tattoo parlor and put out some ink, permanent ink in their skin that they'll never really get rid of, of an image that will mean nothing to them except an embarrassment 10 years down the road, or they'll have to heavily drug-induce themselves so that they can tolerate the imagery that they have on their bodies, when they simply could have just got a piece of paper out and drew it themselves. And You know, they got things called drawing, you know, art portfolios and drawing books and, you know. What is it going to be like 20 years from now? What is it going to be like? The movies, they portray this kind of nuclear apocalyptic scenario which, by the way, you don't need to have the fake nukes anyways. All you need to do is just stop the chain of supply of food and, you know, of overpriced food, overpriced medicine, overpriced gasoline, and make it so that nobody can afford anything. And you never know. There's people, there's bands of men and people, not even in the Middle East and in Europe or uh, in Africa, but there's people in the United States of America and the United States, which is the District of Columbia, that are actually body snatching right now and and uh, organ harvesting and all the other things. How much of your... Uh, Pharmaceutical, our pharmaceuticals, uh, makeup, and today, 
are still made out of the corpses of human beings. Ah, be interesting to take a look at uh, the stock exchange and see how much you're really worth, dead or alive. What they plan on doing with you? Who knows? But we we're now going to talk about the distant past, which is not so distant. Medical treatment included ingesting flesh, bones, and blood, and along with a variety of moss. Yum, yum. Sometimes found in human schools right up until the late 18th century. Use of medicine and made of, uh, from blood and other human parts was widespread in Europe. That's right. So you can't blame the Germans, can't blame the French, can't blame the English. You can blame y'all. Flesh blood was used as a cure for epilepsy, which obviously never did cure anybody, but made somebody rich. And other body parts are treated a variety of diseases, including arthritis, warts, diseases of reproductive systems, uh, uh I'm not even trying to say. Sciataisa. I'm not saying that right. Anyways, and even teenage acne. Anyways, the spelling is S-C-I-A-T-I-C-A. And it just goes to show you, I'm an idiot, but even an idiot like myself can start to figure out what's really been going on. Oh, one of the books, this one of the books this stuff is documented in is Amazon. UK Cannibals, History of People Eaters. Uh, it is quite a conceit to present cultures of non-white people as deviant and hold them and their cultures up to spectacle while whilst whites and European cultures are uh, a queer quarantined as inherently sound in their culture as apex of civilization. Europeans had no ethical or moral issues at all with cannibalism, for example, until the 19th century. Bodies of other human beings was just another natural product available for use in recycling, and nothing's changed, folks. Candles made of human fat were used up until 1880s. King Charles II of England sipped the king's drops, a powdered mix of human skull with alcohol. Thomas Willis, a 17th century pioneer of brain science, would routinely brew a drink for apoplexy or bleeding that mingled powdered human skulls and chocolate. You think that's still going on? I bet you anything. They're laughing at us as they're doing it. Did other Europeans consider these practices deviant and depraved? Was the King of England or a respectable English scholar merely radical primitives because of the liquors they drank? OxfordScholarship.com of course not. After all, a French Franciscan monk of one of the same time was making marmalade out of human blood and even wrote the recipe for it. Instructions in part read like this. 
stir it to a batter with a knife, pound it, throw a sieve of uh, finest silk, jam making aside eating of human bodies could also be used as a military weapon, something that was traditionally buried, downplayed, and ignored the way that rape in war has been hidden and dismissed. Take the Crusades, for example. In the First Crusade, in particular, the siege of Marat or Mahara in 1098, which is really 798, in the city of Maharat al Numan, in what is modern day Syria, and here we go again, going right at them. Chronicle Albert of X seems to rank Muslims lower than dogs. Eyewitnesses of the siege wrote that Mer'era our troops boiled pagan adults in cooking pots. They impaled children in spits and devoured them grilled. All in the name of Jesus. Oh, oh. Yeah. Lower than dogs. Not only did our troops nuts shrink from eating dead Turks and Saracens. They also ate dogs. Gilbert of Nugent in his work Historia Herasolibintena I don't know noted that Christian barbarians are Kafirs were feared by Muslims because of their cannibalism. For that reason, on at least one occasion, the Taffers publicly roasted in the bruised body of a Turk over a fire as if it were meat for eating in full view of the Turkish forces. Now do you understand maybe what they were doing when they're burning witches and Protestants? Do you think they might have been barbecuing them? I'm putting my money on it that they were barbecuing them. Now, people say, well, that's guilt by association. You're taking it too far. Am I taking it too far? We're going to find out how far I'm taking this. Gilbert notes that the Franks' Germanic clans also practiced cannibalism, but they did so in secret and as rarely as possible. And we'll see what's going on here. Lancet. Corpse, medicine, mummies, and vampires. Imagine that you are walking one evening in 18, or 1680 in Wilshire countryside near Avonbury. Suddenly, you spy two men bent over a long, low, artificial mound, vigorously plying spades. Before them, a third figure is stooped intently 
over what seems to be a heave of white sticks or heap of white sticks still obvious oblivious you of your presence he now lifts up something that is clearly not a stick as she shifts the lantern in his other hand the shadow is flickered across his face he has momentarily a strange illusion that he is speaking perhaps whimsically interrogating the skull that sits in his outstretched palm but by now you have relaxed of course it is of course none other than the worthy dr topi gentile physician to the citizens of marlborough what is he doing well certainly nothing underhand or disreputable as he himself explained in a letter to a gentleman diarist john aubrey in 1685 he had quote stored as he himself explained in the letter to the gentleman diarist oh, excuse me he had stored excuse me he had stored himself with many bushels of these bones retrieved from ancient burial mounds of west ken Kenet. from these i made a noble medicine that relieved many of my distressed neighbors we could not for, be forgiven for thinking that topi was something of an eccentric and for reassuring ourselves that his cannibalistic medicine was a very dry one sourced from old and anonymous skeletons in fact Topi's activities were just one small thread in a complex web of early modern corpse medicine up until the late 18th century the human body was widely accepted therapeutic as a well was a widely accepted therapeutic agent the most popular treatments involved flesh bone and blood along with a variety of mosses sometimes found in human skulls some way in the 19th century crowds still jostled beneath the execution scaffolds of parts of denmark cups raised to catch the precious drops of warm blood as it spilled from the dying body of the felon above these people were hoping to cure their epilepsy their belief ran back almost 2000 years to the roman of uh, to of the physician of celsus where pay, uh, patients were gained this would gain this quintessential fluid from the bodies of wounded gladiators although such use of blood seemed a long way from the world of tope medical vampirism 
was by no means limited to folk medicine. The Italian Renaissance scholar Marsilio Fincino, I guess, or Facino, himself the son of a physician, had recommended that human blood could act not just as a specific curative, but a kind of elixir of life. Elderly might, he suggested, restore their vitality by sucking directly from the veins of the arms of some wealthy or healthy youth. Towards the end of the 17th century, we find a Franciscan nun, a monk, excuse me, a Franciscan monk, making a kind of jam or marmalade from the human blood. Stir it to a batter. With a knife, pound it, throw a a sheave of finest silk. All right. Uh, Two of those cases of blood. Two cases, the blood is very fresh indeed. We cannot strictly refer to it as corpse medicine. Most popular substances of this tradition was, by contrast, of almost fabulous antiquity. If you see the word mummy in the early modern text, the chances are that it will refer to flesh form of mummified body. Apply topically and mix it drinks. This was the common remedy for bruising in the period. <laughs> Among others, the French King Francis I in 1494 to 1547 always carried it in his purse, fearing no accident. He had but a little of that by him. Francis Bacon asserted that mummy, it has great force in staunching the blood. So highly prized was it that along with the large quantities of plundering from the Egyptian burial chambers, there was also the profitable trade of counterfeit varieties, including the flesh of beggars and of camels. But the second kind of flesh began to re- began to re- revile that of the ancient Egyptians as the 17th century wore on. Swiss-German medical reformer uh, Paraclesus favored more or less fresh corpses. If doctors were aware of the power of this substance, he insisted, nobody would be left on the gibbet for more than three days. Paraclesus' follower, the influential German chemist Johann Schroeder, recommended the cadaver of a reddish man because in such a man, the blood is believed lighter, and so the flesh is better, whole, fresh, without blemish, of around 24 years of age, dead of a violent death, 
not of illness, exposed to the moon rays for one day and night, although the flesh would itself be treated so that, quote, it comes to resemble smoke-cured meat without any stench, the specifications clearly imply a desire to use the human body as a kind of elixir of life. Hence, the youth and health of the corpse. Now you understand what happens to a lot of the homeless. Why is it so important to hold on to your family, your children? Where do you think where a lot of these homeless people end up going? Even today. <clears throat> Allegedly 2017, which is more like 1717. I'm not making this shit up, folks. I'm not. I'm not making this stuff up. How important is this? Well, as time goes on and you start putting the pieces together between the uh, Rockefellian medical system along with the barbaric cannibalistic Neanderthal medical system, combining these two elements of the Satanist realm that we live in, you start to understand where things come from, why things are happening, why, uh, what it's all about, why you're worth more dead than alive by most of these sick, sick psychopaths that call themselves uh, merchants and elites and uh, blue bloods and the oligarchy and their little class war that they create themselves and all the other nonsense. That's right. To many of them, when they're walking around in their inverted obelisk called a tie and their suit. By the way, that inverted obelisk, once again, as a reminder, is pointing to the genitals and it wraps around their neck. It's symbolic of the fact that what we're happening here in our world is the fact that dickheads, that's right, I'm not trying to be vulgar, and I'm not trying to be foul-mouthed and trying to be cynical. This is exactly what it is. Dickheads rule this awful world. But you got a little joke there now. You got a little chuckle now. When you see the dickhead in his suit, his power suit, and his tie around his neck, and his inverted bobless pointing to his penis, you can look at him and smile. What an idiot. Even he doesn't realize what he's doing. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.